Hey everyone, welcome to episode one of Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. Well, it's not actually episode one, but it's been three years since we started the podcast. And when we started, we had no idea what we were doing. And we didn't even like properly introduce ourselves in the first episode. So I thought it was a good idea to kind of redo it and just see how it would be different if we were to go back and, and do it again, knowing what we know now. Mm. So first thing is... My name's Timothy Plain. <laughs> As I was going to say, you haven't even introduced yourself yet. You're just talking. <laughs> uh, I'm Art Brissell. Awesome. And so, how would you describe making movies as hard now? What um, is it? Well, I wrote an intro. Should I just do my sure, intro Sure, let's hear, let's right hear your intro. I think this is kind of like how I would want to do it if we were to change it. Um, it would be the same first sentence. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard. I'm Art Russell. And I'm Timothy Plain. This is the filmmaking podcast where we, we, as two indie filmmakers, figure out how to be better filmmakers and simply put, get our movies made. Um, I think there's too many filmmakers. There's three filmmakers in there. But the idea is that you, it, rather than intro as like, this is about the struggle of being an independent filmmaker, it's more about... Um, we're l just learning from other right. people, from each other, just trying to it's, strive, striving exactly. to be better filmmakers in the end. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think because that's what the, the core of this podcast is about is that we're just trying to get better and learn and at the same time help other people get better and help them learn as well. So it's like all about learning and growing, you know, and I mean, we, we talk about the struggles, like I think that's always going to be part of the podcast, but I, I think that uh, we focused on that for the first, um, you know, 155 episodes um, <laughs> as far as like, you know, what we talk about is what we're talking about basically as, as a way to frame the, the discussion. And I think we don't necessarily need to frame the discussion in that way anymore. And um, maybe just kind of framing it in for what it really is, like, you know, a learning tool, um, you know, not by teachers, but by two people who are also learning. I think that's like kind of the main thesis, I think, of the podcast. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Yeah. For me, it's always just been about telling stories that you wouldn't normally hear from filmmaking podcasts. And we said this in episode in the real episode one is that anytime you hear filmmakers talk, it's because they've already like reached some sort of pinnacle of success. They've right. made it into Sundance. They've gotten their film distributed. It's like super popular. And, you know, maybe they're on the other end now working on some studio film and you're hearing from them about how they made it. But you hardly ever hear interviews with people that are like still in the trenches trying to figure it out, like us still trying to figure out what are voices, how to get an audience, how to raise money, and like really struggling to figure out all the mechanics of filmmaking. I guess that's the, we're saying the same thing in some ways is that we're right. offering the perspective of the filmmaker still trying to figure it out and not from the perspective of we have it all figured out and this is how we did it. You know, we're still trying to, we're striving to be better filmmakers. Yeah. And, and I mean, to even to an extent, a broader extent, like when you hear a filmmaking podcast in general or any podcast about making a movie or making an album or making anything, it's always in the past because, you know, that's when people are, are willing to talk about things is when they're over. Like, and I don't know, I think we've done a pretty good job over the three years of talking about things as they're happening, mostly for our own projects. Um, but I, I really want to keep on trying to do that. Like try to grab people while they're in the process of like, you know, their careers exploding or like right after they directed a movie or while they're still editing the movie, you know, just so you can kind of yeah. hear like their 
thoughts and and their mindset while they're doing the thing rather than you know once it's all been done and it all worked out then their thought <laughs> process on it because i think it's very right. different you know yeah and the, and it's easy to create that story arc once you've already been through it but when you're in the shit like I, i'm thinking about our jd dillard episode where he was like struggling for months and months and months trying to get the movie ready for its theatrical release and he was just like doubting everything whether he even wanted to do it it's great to talk to people in that phase of it i wish that we would have gotten him while he was doing that because you don't right. really hear stories of people like in the middle where they don't know how it's going to end up yet it ended up great for him, but it could have also ended up terrible. And you don't know. And that's like the thing is when you're in the middle of it, you don't know where it's headed. And there's a lot of self-doubt that comes into it in that phase. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I just listened to the Deadpool 1 uh, commentary track yesterday. Um, and they they, talk, they they recorded those co- commentaries before the movie released. So they had no idea that it was going to be such a success while they're recording the, <laughs> awesome. the commentary. So yeah. they're still talking about it. And it's like, yeah, we made this movie. It was amazing that we got to make it. It was so crazy that the way it came together. It was a dream. Who knows if it's going to actually work, but I'm so glad that we got the chance to do this crazy movie, blah, blah, blah. We can't wait to see what audiences respond. And then like to hear them talk about like, you know, the three or four screenings they got to, to be in so far, you know, with the movie and saying like which jokes worked and like talking about sitting behind the Fox executive and their reaction to a joke. It's like that, that's like a really fun energy. And I think, you know, if you're, if they'd recorded that after the movie had premiered and it was so successful and they're already making Deadpool 2 or whatever, I, I don't know if you'd get the same type of stories, you know? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah. And so, and also part of the reason we want to tell these stories is because there are thousands and thousands of filmmakers like us out there that are still striving for that like Sundance win. Part of it is just saying, hey, you're not alone in this. And there are other people out there doing what you're doing. And also, I think for me, it's a big part of it is redefining success because I think we're all reaching for that kind of like... Daniel Trachtenberg thing where or uh, <laughs> the, the guy who did Godzilla what's his name uh, Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards thing right. with <laughs> the truth is a lot of us aren't gonna make it and I, I love that you say the guy who did Godzilla when he literally directed a Star <laughs> Wars movie after that <laughs> <laughs> I know. Should be the I don't guy know who directed Star Wars, Monsters, <laughs> Godzilla, and Star Wars. Yeah, um, right. But like those guys are like the you know a lot of us really want to be at their level, and we're a lot of us won't make it. And so if we're not going to make it to that level, like what then? How do we define success? And I and I think we've defined success over the, the three years of this podcast as if you can figure out a way to keep making your movies, that's a success. No matter how big or how small, if you're making $20 movies and you're consistently making them and you're getting them out into the world, that's all it is. That, that's a success, getting it done. Yeah. Okay, so... I don't think we really quite defined the podcast yet. <laughs> really? I thought I was going to say, I think we did a good job of defining really? it. Really? Okay. Well. Would you would you have a simpler way to, to say what it is? No, I don't know. I, I think we rambled on it a yeah, little bit Yeah, but it earlier. is kind of, it, it's constantly changing and evolving right. because it's so based on our own personal growth that we're just pursuing things that interest us. I think I guess to, to simply define it, it would just be like it's like the pursuit of knowledge within the the landscape of independent filmmaking, and and with the goal of trying to grow as a filmmaker and learn more about the craft and um, learn how to become a full time paid professional filmmaker, um, and and what what those what the steps are to, to get that done. Mm-hmm. 
and share stories about how people either made it happen or are making it happen so we can all <laughs> right. just see what those different paths are because there's a, a million different ways into it and we're always trying to find new angles on how people made it happen for them so it's not just the same story over and over and over again right exactly all right so let's introduce ourselves before we get too sure. far along so we do this one minute bio with all our guests so it's time for ours i'll start okay uh I'm a graduate from the Academy of Art in San Francisco, and since I've graduated, I've written seven feature-length screenplays and directed five short films and a few music videos. In my short film, The Spirit Machine, was one of the most funded short films on Kickstarter after raising almost $97,000 in just 21 days. And I currently live in San Francisco, where I work full-time for an advertising agency, where I get paid to produce commercials, and sometimes I direct them. Um, but I have directed, like, since I've started there, I've directed 78 commercials. I've counted them. It's pretty amazing. 78? 78, yeah. Really? Most of Holy them are shit. web films. Uh, only one of them was a TV spot. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty awesome to add them up and see that. Um, I've been producing wow. for my agency for 10 years. And I've always, since, let's see, I would say since 2005, I've been producing or writing and directing like short films on the side. Um, and I've spent close to $40,000 of my own money to make my films. So I've put a lot of money <laughs> into it. And that's kind of where I'm right. at the point where like, I don't want to keep spending my own money Right, my right. stuff. I think we're right. both kind of there. We've done. We've spent a lot of money, and right. it's time to stop. Um, yeah. I've screened at a handful of festivals, and I've submitted every film I've ever made to Sundance, but I've never made it into Sundance. Um, and the festivals I've screened at, I would say, like they're decent, okay, nothing. It didn't really change my life, and you can hear us talk about that on the podcast. N name the top festival you screened at. Probably Cinequest is the biggest one that I've screened at in San Jose, which is. I don't know how many people know that one. I think it's a fairly big festival, but it's not no nowhere near Sundance. People seem to know it. I think that's good. Yeah, I like that festival a lot. Yeah, cool. So that's did I a miss good anything? Job. Is there anything no. that that I I'm, you think I should talk about that I didn't talk about? No, I think I think you nailed it all. Um, I guess you didn't really talk about what you're doing now, as far oh. as your creativeness, creativity. I'm a little bit behind Ulrich and his in pursuit of a feature film, but my next step is really to do a feature film. Um, but I'm in the writing phase. I've I've had a bunch of scripts that I pursued, none of them really felt right, and so I'm kind of back to the drawing board trying to figure out what is what is the story that inspires me so much that. I have to go tell it. I'm just trying to find that idea that inspires me, and I just haven't found it yet. Awesome. All right, let me give it a shot here. I uh, can tell you might have practiced that. I did not practice mine. I didn't practice <laughs> it. I just wrote it. You wrote I it. I just see. read that off a piece of paper. Man, see, amazing. Um, so my name is Alec Brussel. I'm a filmmaker from uh, Berkeley, California, now in Oakland. Um, and I'm a graduate of San Francisco State. I'm in the broadcasting uh, department, Becca for life. Hello, hello out there, Becca people. Um, and I uh, started my career as a production assistant, um, working on whatever I could uh, in San Francisco. Um, the biggest show I probably worked on was called Trauma, which um, no one outside of San Francisco remembers. It was an NBC <laughs> That was a huge deal when it was here. Oh, yeah. It was like a procedural, like a, you know, like a medical procedural sort of show. 
um, centered around San Francisco with big stunts and, you know, some, um, bigger TV star people involved. Um, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I only day played, uh, but it was, it was cool to, to see that big set and be on that big set with uh, those fancy people. Um, and, you know, I worked on any reality show that came to town, like Amazing Race and Extreme Makeover Home Edition and, uh, The Bachelor, you know, so I've, I've sort of made my TV rounds as, as an assistant as well. Um, and then I got a job at a local production company, Studio B Films, um, as an intern where I learned to, to work with cameras and, you know, I've always shot and I've always edited since high school. So then that was sort of a natural progression to go into more video production and kind of away from the production assistant stuff. And so through Studio B Films, I, you know, learned, um, you know, the craft of, uh, you know, shooting and editing and, you know, lots about equipment. So I can like, you know, build any camera, um, you know, work with pretty much any piece of equipment, you know, and, you know, I le- learned how to do sound, and all, you know, proper sound with the sound mixer and all that stuff. So I got a lot of hard skills there. Uh, then I worked on uh, Francis Ford Coppola's movie Twixt as a production coordinator. That was probably my next big film related thing. I think it, by that point I had worked on two other features but that was my third one, I think. But I got pulled back to Studio B because I got an offer to be the Reynolds manager there. And then um, I took it thinking I'd only do it for one year. I did it for two years. And then at the end of the two years, I directed my first major, major short film called Strange Things. So I've done that was back in 2013. And I've done three more, four more since then. So I've got about five, four or five short films as well. Um, and yeah, and now I'm, uh, you know, still freelancer, a uh, full, full time. I've been freelance since 2012 or 2013 when I quit studio B and I shoot, I edit and I produce. Um, and then, yeah, now I'm raising money for my first feature film, the alternate, which I've been working on for about four years now. Um, and yeah, and, uh, now I'm, uh, I haven't really talked about this, but I'm, I got the chance to direct a couple episodes of a sitcom <laughs> for a local company nice. out in Hayward. So that's like the next thing I'm directing. And so I'm casting for that right now. Um, and it's going to be crazy, but it should be fun. And I'm going to learn a lot from, from the process, from the process. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah. two things I, I want to hear from you is how sure. much of your own money have you invested in your filmmaking? Oh, sure. And also, um, have you screened at festivals and have you oh, ever yeah. made it into Sundance? Yeah. So, uh, out of my, my five films, um, or four, four films, I guess that I've actually submitted to fest- festivals, um, I probably sem- submitted half of them to, to, to Sundance. I think Strange Thing and Brother or, or maybe Strange Thing and The Rage. I can't, yeah, I can't remember, but the both, both didn't get in, obviously. Um, and I've spent, um, probably around 70 to $80,000 on my filmmaking, um, in wow. the five years. Cause Strange Thing costs 20,000 and then I probably spent another 10 to 15 on marketing and film festival stuff. And then, um, brother was 15,000. I probably spent another five on film festivals and marketing stuff. And then the rage was three and a half, but I only spent, I only had to pay 2000 cause we had a crowdfunding and then I, yeah, and then I don't know. And then like the alternate, I mean, I went to AFM and I've been spending lots of money on that. Just, um, you know, trying to get the project together and, and like, I really, you know, 
basically don't use my budget that I've raised for the movie for anything if I don't have to. So like I've been any anything that I had any hard costs really besides a couple small things, I've just paid for out of my pocket. So so yeah, I mean it's probably like somewhere between seventy and eighty. I used to say sixty, but I think it's probably more like seventy. <laughs> That's now. so much. And has that happened over like the last ten years? No, I think probably starting in twenty twelve. So. Six, six years, years six I guess. Years. That's when I really started spending money on my movies was with, was with Strange Thing. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I probably, it's funny because I, I talked to a lot of my friends are always like, oh, you should have taken that money and, and just made a feature. Like, you hate it. right. What, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I'm like, well, but I wouldn't have the experience I have now and, and the comfort level in directing that I have now if I hadn't have done all those projects, uh, especially the first one, like Strange Thing. And I think Brother, too, was a really great experience to be like, yes, I can I can just slip right back into this this, you know, this glove of filmmaking. And I mean, Timothy and I, we, we made our, our, our films pr- pretty much similarly. Like I think I, I had 25 to 30 person crew on Strange Thing and Brother. And I think you probably had about the same. For, yeah. That, for, was, um, that was roughly the know. size of my crew for the spirit machine. Yeah. Which I think it's like interesting because there's a whole bunch of filmmakers out there making films in all different kinds of ways. And, you know, there's people who make movies um, at our level with much bigger crews. Um, and then there's people who make movies with much smaller crews. But I kind of feel like once you get out of like the, you know, five person crew area and you're, you're, you're like 10, 15 plus, I think it sort of changes the job of, of a director in a big way. Oh and yeah, so, absolutely. My first, I would say first two or three movies were like five person crews. And then I jumped right, right up to the spirit machine level and it was like <laughs> such a different job. And especially if you guys go and check these movies out that we're talking about, the spirit machine has like production design it has costumes it has visual effects both special effects on set and then cg and post and i mean it was just a huge production which is the reason i did it was to give myself the experience of like running an entire film like from that's that big because up until that point it was like two actors in a room a man and a dog in an apartment you know right and I think to some degree, like, I think we both thought the same thing. Like we want to, we want to get practice at this. So like, you know, if we did get a, a shot to do something bigger that we would, we would be ready, you know? Yeah. Um, Not only that, I wanted to prove that I could do it. So that, and I was hoping right. that by showing I could do it, someone would be like, Hey kid, you got the chops, come over here. Right. Which is not what happened. Apparently, no one, no one seems to pay attention to the size of your crew um, because <laughs> no one really sees the size of your crew, right? Because they just see the movie and like they don't have any idea like what it took. And I mean, only the very, you know, uh, sensitive eyes of of a producer or somebody can tell. Like, oh yeah, that was a dolly shot on a very nice dolly, or that was a boom shot on a very nice boom arm, you know? But I think to a lot of degree, no one's seeing that. (laughs) Going back to Gareth Edwards, didn't he shoot Monster with just like a few people? Yeah, he like went across, uh, I think it was somewhere in South America where he just, you know, had a small film crew, like maybe five or six people, a couple cameras, um, you know, very minimal lighting and just made this movie, you know, um, in another country. And then threw in his special effects after, you know. Yeah, so I think that's um, a good example but, of like a really small movie that became very successful right. for the filmmaker. Yeah, and I, and I don't know. I mean, talking to JD, it almost feels like you'll just learn, right? Like he he didn't never direct a, a movie with the size of crew on Slight until he did Slight, yeah, you know. That's true. And then 
boom, he just, he figured it out. So I, I don't know, maybe that's less important than um, we thought it was, but I, I kind of feel like for me, it was important, you know, and I'm really glad yeah. that I did that. You yeah, know? me too. It, it gave me a deeper respect for the art too, in a lot of ways. You know, the reason I wanted to talk about money is just because I, I don't feel like you hear people <laughs> talk about how much of their own money they're spending right. on this stuff. And I just want to let filmmakers yeah. out there know you're not alone if you're spending your own money on your films. Like we're, we're all doing it, especially right. at the short film level. And then, uh, if this stays in the, the conversation that Ulrich was having earlier about thinking about taking a loan out for his feature film, I think a lot of people <sighs> do that too, you know, like in, yeah. take mortgages on their house to, go pay for their feature films go rack up credit card debt you know we're all making sacrifices to make our dreams come true yeah exactly yeah well the one well one thing you asked me that i didn't answer yet was what film festivals i've played at and you know you said the biggest one that you played was cinequest so my biggest one was probably toronto after dark um which is like a small um horror film festival in toronto but it's got a pretty good following and they have big movies there every year and the year i was there babadook premiered which was like amazing to see in the theater and just a a terrifying movie um but yeah that was that was a really fun experience and i mean i would definitely hope to go back there one day well awesome that so that's who we are but i hope you understand that by us telling you who we are it's not to say (laughs) we are experts because we've done all this stuff we made five short films we've directed all this stuff it's not that it's just i just want everyone to know like where we're coming from what directions we're coming in to the conversation with but it's really it's about us you know from our standpoint learning how to get better and how to like make a successful career to this i mean you asked me what i'm working on now i mean the main thing that i'm working on besides wanting to do a feature is just trying to figure out how to get paid as a filmmaker or get paid as a director like that's that's a hard thing to figure out so anytime i hear somebody that's like making money at it i'm always like how how are you doing that tell me because all i'm doing right now is sinking my own money into it (laughs) (laughs) right yeah, I mean, I think that's the big ultimate struggle. It seems like it's um it's very challenging to find a a way to be sustainable as a filmmaker, you know. I I mean, when we talked to Jeff, like he talked about how, you know, um yeah, like he made most of his money on his first couple movies and then from there it's, you know, hit or miss, you know, but I mean, he's yeah. he's still just a full-time producer, so he's he's able to make it work somehow, you know. But uh but yeah, I think it's just a struggle, you know, and there's a very mm-hmm. small percentage of people who get to do this full time and um, don't have any worries financially. You yeah, know? I think a lot of people end up having a full time job and then do this on the side. And even though our careers are in the quote unquote film industry, like I'm in commercials and Arc is doing some commercial work and corporate video work and things like that, we're filmmaking for a living, but... I don't think it feels to us like it's filmmaking because we're not making narrative films that at least to right. me, to me, it doesn't feel like I, even though I'm like producing million dollar budget commercials, it still doesn't feel like I'm in the industry. I feel like an outsider. Yeah. I see. I feel like you should feel like you're in the industry because you're <laughs> producing funny. million dollar commercials. It's like, well, <laughs> how, how much closer can you get? Right. I mean, you know, oftentimes you're working with people who, have made movies or make movies on a regular basis, mm-hmm. you know, um, on your crew. So I, I don't know. It feels just, it you feels just don't like feel, a step away. You feel disconnected. Yeah. I feel yeah. disconnected. I, I just, it feels like for everything that we've learned, it's like, you just have to do it and, and craft your own, 
your own path to to what you want to the filmmaking to to whatever role you want to have you know and then whether or not you can make a sustainable career off that i think that's the mystery that we haven't figured out yet you know and we may never figure out you know <laughs> it it might yeah, always be i've accepted that yeah that we just film make we make film make <laughs> we just film make <laughs> uh that we just make movies um you know on the side basically and then you know do something else to provide for ourselves you know yeah. That that might be the future uh, for both of us, you know, um, and and for a lot of our listeners too, you know. But I think understanding that that's okay and that there's nothing wrong with that, I think that's right. also kind of a beautiful thing too. Yeah, you know that you can just be a filmmaker, like like a like you're a pa- like there's painters, like people who paint for their life, like for their their whole lives, but then they have a day job, or write songs for their whole lives and have a day job, or you know, art, whatever it is, you know, but they just do their art. Like we can just have our jobs and do our art and there's nothing wrong with that. Like that can be fine, you know, and maybe someday people see one of our movies and they, you know, it gets out into the world and it's actually gets seen and gets some recognition or whatever. Uh, but, and then maybe other, other people start to watch our older movies. Maybe that happens or maybe that never happens and they just exist where they exist, you know? Um, but yeah, I think either way, you know, th- obviously this is a life that we, that we're not willing to give up, you know, and we're not willing to turn our backs on. Uh, so it's just like, yeah, that you're in it, you know, you're doing it. And I think that's, that's kind of a beautiful thing too, in a lot of ways, Yeah, you know, and it's not, it's not all about the, the Sundance hits or the Hollywood <laughs> offers or, you know, the, um, you know, being that diamond in the rough and getting that Netflix deal or whatever it is that you're you're after, you know. All right. If you're new to the podcast and you're just joining us, you know, the first year of the podcast is really shaky. We don't sound like ourselves yet. We didn't do a very good job of explaining who we are, what we do. So hopefully this will make up for <laughs> it. Um, but if you don't like the tone of the first few episodes of the podcast skip ahead like we it gets better as it goes on and it's like t- year two we've kind of like hit a groove <laughs> just start with episode 100 where we talk to uh you know jared hess and just uh yeah there you there. go it's not jared hess it's what's his name uh is it jared hess yeah jared hess was episode 100 okay yeah for some reason i thought that was uh, john hater is the name of his actor yeah exactly okay. jared hess is the director's name okay the similar um, all right. So, so yeah. And then the other thing I was going to say is this is kind of a lame three year anniversary show. Um, but we did just have JD on, which was a great, um, big episode around the three year mark. And then we had Jeff on too. So I think those two make up for this not being as epic of an episode. So, yeah, so go check out episode know. 153 and 154. They're amazing episodes. We're getting a lot of good feedback from them. And yeah. I think every, anyone who's interested in filmmaking is going to appreciate those talks. I think the other thing that we didn't really say about the podcast on the first episode or the first few episodes was we had no idea if we were going to keep on doing this. We were just trying it out. Like we, we were, it was an experimentation phase, I think for the first like 20 episodes even, you know, and I don't think it was through until the first year was done that we really knew we were going to keep on doing it. Um, so I don't know. We learned as we, as we, as we did it. And I think uh, now we have a pretty good groove going with this podcast. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Timothy, for doing this with me uh, every week. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't have hired editors or any (laughs) staff of any kind. We just do this together. So this really is a joint shared part-time job that we do. 
Um, but I think not only has it been interesting to hear what everyone else has, has said as far as the guests have, cons- have, have gone, but we've made a lot of really wonderful connections with listeners. And, you know, I can honestly say that some of those listeners are now friends of mine, you know, which I think is kind of special and wonderful, you know? So absolutely. This yeah, podcast has know. completely changed my life and given me new perspective on what I do and my goals and what I consider success. And, and it's introduced me to some amazing people and gotten me closer to Ulrich. And it's been awesome. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Okay, let's take it out now. Let's Enough of the mushy mushy. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, send us an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. You can also visit our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. And while you're there, please sign up to receive a weekly email from us. We'll deliver the show notes to your inbox every Monday morning at 6 a.m. bright and early. And finally, if you like the show, tell your friends about it or leave a rating for the podcast, iTunes or Stitcher. And yeah, and then we didn't, we, we should mention the, the film, indie filmmaking community on Facebook. Um, if you haven't joined yet, you should join. We're getting a lot of new members, which I think is great. And it seems like they're all actually listening to our prompts and answering our questions before they join. Yes. So that's been nice. Um, but yeah, that's a great place for discussion. And I, and I, I really feel like, you know, we started it basically. But I think now it's become bigger than just us. Oh, yeah. You know? it's, not I mean, a, it's not a making movies as hard group. It's, no, it's just a filmmaking group. Exactly. Anyone's welcome. And we have admins that are uh, from the Just Shoot It podcast, from Filmmaking Sucks yeah. podcast. Um, oh, yeah. And then there's Jamie Francis from the Nimpods podcast. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. And have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.